Hello, and welcome to The Dad Whisperer. I'm your host, Dr. Michelle Watson, and here on The Dad Whisperer, you know that I have one primary goal, to help dads become heroes. And as we begin this conversation today, I invite you again to envision yourself as fathers standing side by side on the starting line of your fathering race, ready to run, and I'm your coach, cheering you on, giving you pointers to succeed as dads. And each week, I use a template of On Your Mark, Get Set, Go. On Your Mark is the title. Get Set is filling that in with stories and stats. And Go is always one action step where you as dads can put your heart of love for your daughters, even your sons, into action this week. While standing with me as a coach today, I have one of my dear friends, Joe Battaglia. Now, he's on the East Coast. I'm on the West Coast. But I have no doubt that you are going to feel like you're talking with both of us, sitting right up with you at a table. Just picture we're at a restaurant, you know, having having a bite to eat, having a conversation. But before we get going, I want you to hear a little bit about him first. Now, truthfully, I could fill up this entire time with his bio. I'm not kidding you. But just a few highlights. Joe Battaglia is a broadcaster. He's an author many times over. Perhaps you've heard of his book, The Politically Incorrect Jesus, that's my dad, and he even has a soon-to-be-released book that we're going to be talking about today called Father's Say. He's also the president of Renaissance Communications. That's a company whose mission is to provide media platforms for gifted communicators of biblical truth. He's also an executive producer and general manager of Keep the Faith. You've probably heard of that because it's the number one faith-based radio program in the country with a weekly audience of over 2 million And for more than 15 years, Joe's been involved in the promotion of highly successful faith-based hit movies, including Soul Surfer, Heaven is for Real, God's Not Dead, War Room. You've probably heard of some of those. And he lives in Oakland, New Jersey with his wife, Luann. They've been married for 35 years, and they're the parents of their 27-year-old daughter, Alana. Welcome, Joe. Well, Michelle, that was very nicely done. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Well, you're the one that's nicely done it. I just told about it. (laughs) Well, thank you very much. (laughs) Well, for On Your Mark, the title that Joe and I have come up with today is What One Father Has to Say About Raising His Adult Daughter. So some of you listening have daughters in their 20s and go, whoa, this is a whole different deal than teens or younger. And so Joe's going to bring some insight about what it's like to raise a daughter who's really stepped into her own adulthood. And just so you know why I chose that title, or Joe and I did together, is that because his newest book is called Father's Say, I figured it was worth hearing what this father has to say about raising an adult daughter because he's lived it. So before we get started, Joe, I would love to just hear the backstory of your life, that, especially when it comes to fathering. So could you tell mm-hmm. us some of the story of your upbringing and even how your dad modeled to you what a father looks like? Sure. Well, um, basically, I am the son of an immigrant. You know, my dad and my mom were both born in Italy. So I'm a first-generation Italian-American. Mm. And, of course, growing up in Jersey, um, where else would I grow up other than around diners and street corners? So, <laughs> and so um, I think the interesting thing about my dad is, uh, like many men of his generation, they really didn't emote a lot, right? They worked hard. They came home. You always knew they loved you. They never left. Mm-hmm. Um, they stayed there. And so the thing that my dad modeled to me most was just the consistency of being there. 
Mm-hmm. And anything that was needed, he was the supplier. Let me tell you a few funny stories, okay? Oh, I'd love which, that. Which might indicate that. You know, everybody understands what Halloween is about. Right. And, you know, you go out and you dress up and you get candy from people. So, right. And I have to laugh at this because, you know, when I was a kid, I said, hey, Dad, you know, I'm going out for Halloween. And he said, well, no, you're not. Mm-hmm. And, of course, you have to understand this is all in broken English or in Italian. Mm-hmm. Um, and I said, why not? He said, well, if you need anything, particularly food, you come to me. Wow. I don't take a handout from anybody. Mm, <laughs> powerful. And he didn't say it, you know, other than to say, uh, and I understood, which is why I agreed with him and I laughed about it, that um, his feeling was that the father is the one who is the supplier, the provider, mm-hmm. and if the child needed anything, like candy or something, it was not his responsibility to allow anybody else to provide it. It was his responsibility mm-hmm. to provide it. <laughs> now, wow. it was it's kind of a silly thing, but uh, it showed me that he took his role uh, as a father uh, very seriously. Maybe mm-hmm. we can laugh at it and, and say, well, that's a bit much. Right. But when you truly look at it, it really was what he felt was a responsibility in today's day and age when people run from responsibility and accountability. Uh, he embraced it. So he's of that generation mm-hmm. that understood that it may be an old-fashioned thing. Uh, it may be something that um, we laugh at, but to him, it was serious. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that communicates something, a seriousness. And and then uh, I have another story that is in this um, next book, Father's Say, coming up. Mm-hmm. When I was in college at Boston University, and this is like in the late 60s, right? So this is around 1970. Uh, I had come home uh, that summer after my sophomore year and told my parents I had really come to faith in Christ through Campus Crusade for Christ. Mm-hmm. And they thought that was cool. My mom was a believer, a Catholic believer. Uh, She was the saintliest person I've ever known. My dad, though, couldn't believe that there were people on the college campus talking about Jesus. He thought it was some communist (laughs) (laughs) front. Which I laughed and I said, no, they're not communists <laughs> trying to infiltrate the minds of kids on the college campuses because there was so much disruption, right. you know, on the college campuses in the late 60s and early 70s. So he said, you know, I want to come up with you mm-hmm. to meet the people you're hanging around with. Uh, now, <clears throat> my father did not drive. He and his brother, my uncle, who also lived with us, and my grandparents, who are a very nuclear Italian family, um, they worked together in the same shoe repair shop. My dad was a shoemaker, Mm -hmm. so he he not only repaired shoes, he actually made them by hand for people with deformed feet. That was his trade, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And so um, I had the car, and so uh, this was... I think in my uh, junior year, yeah, mm-hmm. and I drove up uh, there with my car, and, um, you know, it was a Sunday morning, and we drove back, and we could make it in time for church if we left at 7 a.m. 
Um, and so I wanted to show him where I was at church, um, and all the the kids in the Campus Crusade staff had been going to this one church. Mm-hmm. And so he said, well, sure. Now, again, understanding that my dad, I don't know if he was ever in a Protestant church, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, we drove up and um, went to church, and I was wondering, well, this should be fun. Well, out walks the pastor, and my dad says, I know that guy. <laughs> I said, well, how do you know him? And he says, he used to preach on the street in Ridgewood, New Jersey, when I was working in the shoe repair shop in the 1940s. Wow. It turns out the pastor of this particular church had recently gone up, maybe a couple of years earlier, to help turn it around mm-hmm. and really <clears throat> invite the kids from the Boston U and Northeastern campuses right there, mm-hmm. it was right around the corner. Well, he was kind of well-known in North Jersey, where I was from, because he started four churches in this area. Got it. Mm-hmm. And so he used to be a street preacher, too, and my dad recognized him, you yeah. know, from, you know, decades earlier when he used to do that on the street near yeah. the shoe repair shop he worked at. <clears throat> and so he um, met with him afterward. I introduced my dad to the pastor and, and then to the crusade staff and the kids who I was hanging with. Um, and he said afterward that, that this was wonderful. He loved meeting them. He thought they were all mm-hmm. great people. Mm-hmm. And then he said to me afterward that, um, hey, you can hang out with them. I'm, you know, really nice, great, <laughs> and so forth. Gave you his blessing. Uh, he gave me his blessing in a sense, correct. Mm-hmm. And so <clears throat> he took the train, you know, or I forget it was a train or bus back to New York and then had to take another bus back home because he didn't drive. Yeah. <clears throat> so he was willing this was all in one day. Wow. He was willing to spend whatever it took time-wise yeah. to mm-hmm. understand um, what was going on in my life and care enough mm. for that. Yeah. Wow. What and, a and model so, he set yeah. for you. And so to me, that said, um, the reality of what a father does mm-hmm. is to not just uh, be there, mm-hmm. but to be with you. Yeah. At those times when it was important mm-hmm. to say, hey, I care enough about you to spend my time, no matter how long, no matter how mm-hmm. hard, no matter how inconvenient, uh, just to make sure you're okay. Wow. Entering into your world and literally yeah. and figuratively going the extra mile just exactly. out of love for you. Um, so, you know, that shows trust, right? Mm-hmm. Um, It shows, like you say, the willingness to be involved in your world. And I think that is the thing that, uh, as we go through this discussion today, Mm -hmm. is is going to be a prevalent um, uh, theme of being there and being in your world, rather than trying to bring a child into our world as an adult, the yeah. adult really needs to go into the world of the mm-hmm. child <clears throat> to best understand. So, yeah. Well, tell us some stories then, since you are a master storyteller, my friend Joe, is tell us then about a story or two that comes to mind then about how you entered into Alana's world. Maybe even <laughs> let's go back to teen years before her 20s, yeah. setting that foundation. Yeah. Well, um, I, uh, of course, love like any dad, you know, going out with your daughter 
Because, you know, here's a scenario, and all the dads who are listening can raise their hand. <laughs> How many of you have been asked to go to the mall? <laughs> all of them. <laughs> right. So, uh, of course, we want to go to the mall. Mm-hmm. The kid wants us to go there because they want us to pay for their purchases. We want to go there just to be with them and bond and all that stuff. Yeah. So, you know, my daughter was about 13 or 14. I don't remember exactly how old. Um, but she asked me to go to the local mall, and we stopped in at this store, and it was Abercrombie and Fitch. Mm-hmm. And and uh, and I had not been in that store for about 25 years. <laughs> <laughs> not my style. Right, you know, right. Give me Army-Navy, and I'm all set. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, um, and so... I get in there, and I am astonished. I'm stopped in my tracks because um, on the walls, the new uh, Abercrombie & Fitch store Mm -hmm. exhibited uh, pictures of half-naked adolescent teens about my daughter's age lying on top of equally unattired young men. Uh, So to say the hair on the back of your neck stood up is an understatement. (laughs) Oh, it was doing a dance. (laughs) (laughs) And so I'm beginning to seethe because I, as a communicator, understand Mm -hmm. the presentation of messages and images and symbols of how important they are to communicate something, right? Mm -hmm. So whatever the store was trying to communicate about uh, sexuality and androgyny maybe who knows right. you know what what kids wear and how it expresses what uh, what they're supposed to think and do my my daughter is seeing me now get red mm-hmm. and out of you know being a bit upset and so she elbows me and says dad don't because she knows how to say something. <laughs> now, I've grown up here in the North Jersey area, um, on the street corners of North Jersey, uh, not as a believer, so not a whole lot offends me. <laughs> um, <clears throat> but this is an attack on our children, right? as I see it. And so we get up to the counter, and my daughter says, Dad, don't. <laughs> <laughs> So I put the shirt on the counter, and I there's a young man standing there and a young girl, of course, waiting on us. And, you know, they're like late teens, maybe mm-hmm. 20 or so, <clears throat> something like that. And um, I say to the young man, please tell your manager how offended I am at what I see on the wall here because I kind of know what this is saying to my mm-hmm. child, mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't like the message it's sending, I think you know, and so forth. And I say, well, what do you think about that? So he kind of sheepishly turns away because I doubt if anybody ever addresses him like that. And so I asked the young lady there, um, miss, is this the way you would like to be portrayed? Great question. You know, as you, mm-hmm. you know, stand here next to this young man and all the kids that walk up here and she kind of also sheepishly turns away, and then my daughter elbows me and yells out in a loud voice, Dad, they don't care. Mm-hmm. On cue, <laughs> on cue, the young mm-hmm. man turns back to me and says, I wish my father cared as much. Oh, my goodness. Silence. Silence. And as my daughter and I walked out that day, she said to me, no, okay, Daddy had to say that. I said, no, no. he did not have to say mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. You will learn that people say what is on their hearts to mm-hmm, say. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, that's yeah. getting into the world mm-hmm. of your child. 
and and st- to me, it's about standing up for them. Yes, she did not understand why I should stand up. Mm-hmm. Right? No, and she I was said, embarrassed by you by you course. saying that, but you said I've got to push no. through it. Yeah, you have to push through in order to stand up for what you believe mm-hmm. in, but of course, do it with civility and, and as, as winsomely as you can mm-hmm. um, to make a statement for what you believe mm-hmm. because nobody seems to believe in anything anymore. Right, right. Waters it, And so waters down when we have too. the opportunity to, to stand up and say something, we mm-hmm. ought to and do it in the right spirit. To this day, that stands out to her as mm-hmm. one of the favorite stories we wow. have together. And, of course, I asked her permission to mm-hmm. include that story in the book. Mm-hmm. Um, and she said, oh, sure, yeah, because she loves telling her friends that story. She loves reading it from my book to them. Isn't that something? She was mortified at the time, mm-hmm. but you laid a foundation right. that she's never forgotten. That's, that's the point. Mm-hmm. That is powerful. So, Joe, awesome story. What's your relationship like with her now? We're talking about you laid a foundation early on, just like your dad laid with you. What What's your relationship with her like now that she's in her late 20s? Oh, it's, you know, very good. You know, we... Um... Uh, she lives and works in New York City right now. I mm-hmm. live just outside New York City, as you know, but <clears throat> she got a job in the city at an ad agency and, and lives there. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, we're always texting and talking, and, you know, I go into the city often on business, and we'll make time to have dinner with her. And then, mm-hmm. you know, this past, this week, um, she was, um, um, she wanted me to see her new apartment she was getting mm-hmm. uh, because she had to move. Her lease was up, and she was finding something more suitable. And she said, hey, you got to come see this. I uh-huh. said, of course. I'm sure I'm going to help pay for something. <laughs> so you're now doing with her what your dad did with you. You're going to her city, entering into her world, and taking your time to do it. Yes. And now I see how much fun it is, mm-hmm. just as my dad you know, used to come with me right. to see the things that I did, even when I was right. beginning to get into my faith-based stuff. Yeah, well, Joe, let yeah. me even ask you, what what is it required of you now in this season of her life where she, no doubt, has her own career path, has her own voice, has her own mind and opinions? How has that caused you to have to grow into this stage of her development with her? Yeah, yeah that's, a, that's a good story, uh, a good uh, a question on mm-hmm. that. How does that? I think this. Um, I think it's important, and here's the growth part. Mm-hmm. The growth part is in feeling. Don't. I have learned that I cannot ask her to process things the same way I do. Yeah. And I think that's <clears throat> one of the great lessons we learn about entering into a world that is unfamiliar to us, particularly the world of the millennial, if, if we want to look at it like that, which is so different than the world that I grew up in and the way Absolutely. I think. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's important that um, we learn to understand that our children cannot process the same things that we do like we do. They have a whole different perspective, and particularly a daughter who certainly um, has more, I, I would say, feeling. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you another little story, <laughs> mm-hmm. which we still laugh about as well. 
you know, my daughter, when she was, I think, in the second grade, had a hamster. <laughs> okay? <laughs> Who didn't? <laughs> That's right. And the hamster one day died. And she found it in his little cage <laughs> upstairs. And there was this scream that came from there. Uh-huh. And I thought that somehow she hurt herself. But no, it was the scream of finding her little hamster dead. Right. You know? Mm-hmm. Um, and and she said, oh, Dad, I just can't go to school today mm-hmm. because I just feel so badly for the little hamster. Yeah. And I said, no, you're going to school today. So I made her go to school. Mm-hmm. And so she came back that day and said, Dad, I've been sad all day. My teacher wanted to know what happened. Right. And um, I'm just so mad at you because you made me go to school. <laughs> And she could tell you. <laughs> yes. <clears throat> and so um, I learned then that, um, you know, I'm the guy. And the guy said, okay, the, the hamster died. Let's go bury it. Mm-hmm. You know, that's a pretty de- detached, you yeah. know, unemotional mm-hmm. response, as a lot of guys might do. Right. 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 <clears throat> so, okay. Um, but to her... Her world yeah. was this little hamster. And, yeah. you know, strange as it is to say it, the relationship that she had developed with her little pet. Mm-hmm. That's a big so, deal. Uh, yeah. See, it's about relationship. Yeah. It's really not about the hamster that died. Exactly. You know, what I thought of it. It had to do with she was beginning to understand relationships mm-hmm. and how important they were and caring for things that were dear to your heart. That is the mothering part, I believe. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. is um, in, instinctive, you know, to uh, women uh, at whatever age yeah. they are. Exactly. And you and giving I, honor to her feelings in the yes, process. Ex- exactly. And so that's what I mean by you got to learn to um, understand the process. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> And so if I could say anything to men, um, begin to understand the process, mm-hmm. you know, and if your daughter's hamster dies, mm-hmm. she may or may not ask for the day off, but try to understand that there was something there mm-hmm. that she was learning a life lesson about mm-hmm. at an early age, right? Absolutely. And so, <clears throat> and so what I did that night when I saw how distraught she was, yeah. we gave the hamster a proper burial. Oh, that's awesome. <clears throat> yeah, we went out to the backyard. Mm-hmm. I dug a little hole, and um, I buried the hamster, and we made a little, you know, cross yeah. and put it on there. Mm-hmm. And I said a little prayer for the hamster. <laughs> <laughs> and it was just, you know, kind of a sweet little thing mm-hmm. um, that we did. And I think that helped her understand, yeah. you know, maybe what closure was yep. to some degree, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yep. And that I didn't particularly dismiss it entirely exactly. as a non-event. Yep. And now at 27, she's going to have different versions of losing hamsters. And dad yeah. gets and, to enter <clears throat> in and honor. Well, Joe, we're almost out of time. I want to ask you one last question because I love to, I mean, we could talk the rest of the day, couldn't we? <laughs> oh, yes. I thought with, we were. <laughs> well, I love to end with one go step. Could yes. you just challenge dads? You have all along this conversation with your awesome insight and stories. 
If you could give dads listening one go plan of action to put their love for their daughters into action this week, what would you suggest? Okay, here's a, here's a, a thought that came to my mind, okay. uh, Michelle, about this. <clears throat> hey, Dad, um, think about treating your daughter like you treated your wife before you married her, when you first met her. Mm-hmm. How would I do something for her to make her understand that I really care and you know, I wouldn't say use the word court, but let's look at something that you can do that will send a signal mm-hmm. uh, to your daughter. And I think the fun thing is that, you know, uh, particularly a daughter loves to go out on a date with their dad to yep. spend that time alone. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think here's one thing you can do right now that you can then fulfill maybe a little later on. Uh, first of all, <clears throat> I would send her a text. I would speak the language of the daughter uh, right now, and that is the um, the way in which they communicate. I would send her a text and tell her how much you love her and that um, you're, you're going to have a surprise for her mm-hmm. when she comes home from awesome. school that day. Mm-hmm. Then go and buy a card uh, and some flowers. They don't need to be, you know, a $50 bouquet of roses. Just something that says, hey, I'm thinking of you, mm-hmm. and I'm giving you something, and and, my, and here's a card, and the card tells you how much I love you, and I really want to spend time with you. And on the card, have the date set aside for, you know, maybe the next week or in right. two weeks, right. when you're going to take her to a very special dinner, mm-hmm. just you mm-hmm. and her. You know, create the anticipation yes. that, hey, this is something really special that's going to happen, and I just can't wait. And I'm and excited, too. I've put I'm all excited. this thought in. Yes. <clears throat> so you can do that so easily. Yeah. And yeah. then, <clears throat> you know, take a week and determine where you're going to take her. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then don't tell her oh. where you're going to take her. Yeah, and build the anticipation. I love your yeah. idea. Yeah. That's about as simple as you can yeah. get. Oh, so I would say go I and do that. It. Oh, Joe, thank you so much for joining me today. The topic has been what one father has to say about raising his adult daughter. You've heard stories from Joe Battaglia today. Thank you for joining us. Joe, it's been a joy to have you here. Hey, Michelle, my pleasure. And dads, take to heart what I just said. Go do that. (laughs) Exactly. I can't say it any better. So together we say, go dads. Go dads.